What up, what up, beautiful people? It's your boy, Keanu Banks. Back in the building. You know what it is. Inside the Arsenal. I'm here. You here. We here. You know how we do. I got celebrities in the building today. Uh, is a super guru in the yogi world. She's a mom of two, a four-time marathon finisher, an East Coast assassin, what I like to call it, uh, and a good friend of mine is kind of like an auntie from the other side of life. So, Shout out to Debbie P. I, I don't want to murder your last name, so can I buy a vowel, please? Okay. There's two times you can't think of my last name. That's cool. Look how nice I, to be here. Thanks, Kenya. I didn't want to I didn't want to butcher it. Popio. You didn't butcher it. You did it perfectly. See? Boom! That's how we get down on the boys. Um so, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. Um, and I listed also a, a, a few things. However, um, the Debbie we know that I know, I've been knowing you probably seven years, six years or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we met in the same gym facility, if you will. However, let people know, like, because sometimes I think people see fitness instructors or yogis or whatever, and they just think, oh, this person liked that. And so they just did it. But like, what what got you into yoga? Why? And, you know, maybe touch on some of the things that you've learned through yoga and why you think it's important for other people to even dive in, because I'll give a little bit of my yogi journey. But this is on you. So, um, yeah. So my yoga journey, I think like everybody's journey is really interesting and may also, like you mentioned, kind of be hidden because you see the outside persona and you don't know like the backstory behind it. And so I started doing yoga probably about 25 years ago. You were doing yoga um, before it was a thing. Wild. What? You were doing yoga before it was a thing. Yeah, before it was a thing. Um, but I didn't have a deep connection to it. I didn't feel connected to it. I did it, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't vibe with it. And I kind of took a back step from it and um, had my son and became a single mom and then kind of worked my way into the early childhood world. So I became an early childhood educator and a preschool director. And that became my world, my, my children and, and this, this world that I was in with like helping families and helping young children and, and teaching. And um, I had my second child and I was um, – this director, so I had two small children, and I had a mom in my school who said, you know, you should do yoga. And I was like, yeah, not my thing. Right? <laughs> I don't really see myself doing yoga. Now, and that's a true story, right? Here I am, a yoga teacher saying, I don't think yoga really vibes with me. And um, so I said, listen, I'm in a situation like I can't afford yoga. Like there's no way that I can afford taking a yoga class. She's like, you know what? You're running. I had just started getting back into the running world and I hadn't run a marathon yet. It was a dream of mine to always run a marathon. So I was running and she said, yoga is going to really help you with your running. Hmm. And so I thought, okay, I'll try it. She's like, I'm going to gift you a month at my studio. So she gifted me a month. It was like amazing. And she she had no idea what she was really doing, really how she was affecting my life. So I had a lot of stuff going on at home also. I wasn't in a very safe place at home or a safe relationship. And, um, and she didn't know any of that. She just knew that yoga was going to be a great count, you know, cross train to my running. 
started doing yoga, and all of a sudden, it opened up worlds for me. I learned how to get really quiet, how to listen, how to connect my heart to my to my head, so I could hear that intuition of knowing that the situation in my home life wasn't safe, wasn't healthy, and I needed to be out. And she didn't know any of that. She just gifted me yoga. She didn't know my story. And um, so I started doing yoga. These amazing teachers who played this amazing music and and just I vibed with them. They spoke real. They didn't speak mumbo jumbo hippy dippy stuff. They talked about real stuff yeah. and struggles in life and how yoga helped them with their struggles in life. And that light bulb went off, and I thought, man, I got a struggle in my life. And um, so I ran my first marathon. Nine months later. I ran my second marathon. Um, I spoke with this mom, like, I got to keep this yoga up. How do I keep this yoga up? Because I'm in a situation where I don't have the money. I don't have a spouse that's going to support it. We figured it out. She figured it out, helped me stay in yoga. And ultimately, it became the thing that gave me my voice and um, allowed me to step out of my unsafe, unhealthy situation and raise my two children on my own. So... After that stint, I moved into the world of Lululemon, and I had the opportunity to become a yoga teacher. And I thought, I can't be a yoga teacher. Like, what? You know, I need a real job. I have that mm. mentality of having a real job because I have kids and I need insurance and how was I going to pay bills and whatnot. And I had an opportunity with Lululemon. They created their first ever, um, their first ever yoga teacher training program. They accepted like 150 applicants from around the world. They took 40 people. I, I applied. I was one of the people that they took. And they sponsored me in my yoga teacher training. So along my journey, I received these gifts of yoga. And so I, like where I am in my journey now is giving the gift of yoga, discovering that that's really my gift learning and growing through yoga and being able to help other people find that voice and not necessarily leave, a, you know, an unhealthy home life, but leave whatever their thing is or move through whatever their thing is so they can find and realize their dream or really what their purpose in life is. And that's what yoga gave me, it gave me my voice. And then ultimately it gave me my career. It let me learn that my purpose in life um, or in yoga, the, fancy word is dharma like why you're here mm -hmm. and i used to think it was to be a mom which it is that's part of it or to be a, um you know a, a school teacher which it was um but yoga is my vehicle now to reach people and i feel incredibly blessed especially now during this time of quarantine when people are in their homes that i can still do that Mm -hmm. I can still give them a tool for their toolbox that may speak as loudly to them as it spoke to me and help them navigate whatever avenue they're navigating. Right. So in all of that, I mean, it's, you know, everyone has a journey and a story. That's why I do this, because I'm like, I want people to know that there's even more to you or me. There's more to me than burpees and fire ants and push ups and whatever. And it's yeah. more to you than yoga. But at the same time, the 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 realness of. You know, like you gave like a, a quick like, hey, this is where I was at. Right. And then so so somebody listening on the outside might be like, man, she made that sound really easy. But if you pay attention to some of the verbiage and, and because I know you, I'm like, well, here's a single mom who didn't know, like, how is this going to work out? 
But the reality is like the whole saying of like leaping the net will appear. You figure it out along the way, right? But what are, if you don't mind, like what what were some of the hurdles? Because, you know, people don't really believe they can make being a fitness instructor a career because why they don't pay enough or whatever. So how does a single mom of two navigate through that? Or is that the role that Lululemon played to say, I got a job and I'm, and I'm working on this thing over here. So I think that um, what for me and everybody's journey is different. I chunked it. I did it in little spurts, right? I, I started to, find yoga and find strength in myself physically huge physical strength that i didn't know i was capable of that gave me huge mental clarity to leave a very oppressive situation so when people see me they don't they see me they go yeah you you know they they see a really strong woman who raised two children on her own and they don't know that i was in a really abusive relationship and i don't hide it but my, my situation or my story, you know, my children's story, it's incorporated in that. So I'm deeply private in terms of protecting them from that. But when I share that, I share it because if it can, if it can spark in one person like that fire to know that that's what's going to fuel them. And my kids feel me, believe me, that's what propelled me forward out of, um, out of, abuse into safety and into becoming a yoga teacher and along, along the way i had guy i had people gifting me their time i had people gifting me their knowledge and their experience so that's why i feel like sharing the story helps to share that and so i started working at lululemon which gave me a full-time income while i had this full-time income i got gifted yoga certification which if anybody listening knows it's thousands of dollars yeah and and they gifted that to me that was part of working for this amazing company that truly supports your dreams and your goals and i became a yoga teacher and i started off part-time i started teaching part-time and still working at lululemon and eventually that kind of that just kind of separated right like i started working less and wanting more classes and as I let go of hours at the store level at a retail job with Lululemon I started to get more classes and I started to meet more people so it was a gradual progression where I got to a point that I jumped and then and man the, the net was there because the first day that I taught a class after I had left Lululemon I had like 25 people in my this little teeny yoga room that only held 20 people. We crammed 25 in there. Mm. And I thought this was the right thing to do. So I ripped the bandaid off. I personally ripped it off pretty slowly. But once it came off, now I'm I'm open to the universe and all the gifts that it that allows me to have. And even through this whole quarantine, the opportunity like Zoom to be able to teach to people in their homes to be able to still give that gift, to be able to still do what I love and help people has really um, been a blessing. So you don't have to do everything all at once. When you eat an apple, you can't swallow it all. You got to take a bite at a time. I feel like, you, I feel like yeah. you got that from your dad or something. Totally. It's a Murrayism, man. It's a <laughs> But it's true. It really is. And, um, you know, I had lots of, there was lots of fear along the way. There was lots of insecurity. Um, 
I can tell you that the the least the last thing that you learn in yoga teacher training is how to do poses. What you learn is what's in here, in your heart. So so what you're saying to people who may be afraid or have a, a assumption, I'll go that route, right? Because people yeah. think it's hand it's headstands and handstands and splits and, and the whole nine. And so let people know because I know you. So I'm like, man, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm like, yo, I don't be seeing Debbie do all this extra stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I think some people assume that, well, if I can't do that, then this is not yoga or that's all that there is. Like um, I have friends who there was some video that was on social media of couples doing these certain poses together, like strength, like stuff that you need to know, you know, foundational movements. You need to know how to squat and engage your core and all this stuff. And, and granted they're comedians, like my boy Kevin on stage, who I love him and his wife were doing this. And I cringed the whole time because there was no awareness. It's obvious they don't do squats and yoga or, or have no bodily. And so I'm cringing because not it was entertaining to people to see them fall down and try these poses. But I'm like, these are not basic things. This is like high level stuff where I was like, please don't let this dude's knee snap in half. Like, the form was just bad, right? But they don't know no better because you just see what you see. And that's the it's the same thing with fitness where people think, oh, I'm going to just go in here and lift heavy or do a Superman push-up or whatever. And it's like, yo, you got to get the foundation right. And so for you, someone who's not, that can do a lot of things but don't, can you express to people what yoga really is about? versus what it looks like on the outside. Absolutely. So um, I say this often in class. So there's a couple of things around what you said. For starters, I really want the listeners to know um, that I'm 53 years old. And I became a yoga teacher when I was 50 years old. So I just, just let it sink in. I had a lot of careers. I did a lot of things in my life. I became a yoga teacher when I was... 50 years old, I left a full-time job when I was 51 years old to become a a full-time yoga teacher, and I'm 53 now. So there there are hurdles along the way always. However, um, I am not your typical, you know, 21-year-old stand-on-your-head yogi, right? So there's that piece. Um, Something that my guru... Daniel Nagel, who taught me to be a yoga teacher, said to me, because I had a lot of fear around the fact that I'm, I'm not an inversion specialist. I don't claim to be. I'm not, right? I can do a handstand. Yeah, I probably need a wall. I probably need a spotter. Big deal, right? That's who I am. That's my body. And, and it's not about limitations. It's about desire or ability or really where you're at. And you got to love yourself where you're at, wherever that may be. So I said to her right at the beginning of yoga teacher training, I, I had a lot of fear around teaching because I, at the time, I couldn't even do that. And I said to her, I can't do a handstand. I can't do a handstand. How am I going to teach somebody to do something that I can't do? Mm-hmm. And she said to me, I don't know if I can. It's not a bad curse word. It's a little curse word. I'm allowed to curse. Yeah, yeah roll with it. 
Okay, it's a, it's a direct quote, and it's the only reason I'm using it. She said, no one gives a shit if you can do a handstand. It's the love you feel for your students that they care about. Mm. And it resonated with me, right? Come from a place of love and come from your heart and be authentic. And I stand up in front of the classes. You've heard me say it. You're going to find the one yoga teacher that, you know, has the tightest hamstrings and can't touch your toes, right? There's other things I can do. I have strength versus flexibility. And so that's the physical practice of yoga. On the other side of that, the poses that we do in, the, in this Western world and this practice that we think is yoga is one little teeny tiny piece of it. Mm. Just standing on your head or even moving through the different postures. That's one teeny piece of it. There's eight pieces, eight limbs of yoga. One limb is moving. One whole other limb is breathing. Just figuring out your breath. Whole other limb, connecting to your head and meditating. So the list goes on that it that what we see is like surface level stuff. So your friends are they're doing these crazy poses. They're doing the surface level stuff. It may look like they're doing the deep stuff, but standing on your head, if you haven't done the work behind what helps you flip upside down, then then that has no purpose. That has no um, merit. And when I say that the last thing you learn in yoga teacher training it, are those poses, it's because what you do is you go inside. You learn the inside of you. You connect. The furthest part in your body is your heart to your head. Right? I don't talk to each other very often. Right. We got to listen to these two things. Your gut is so important. And that's what you learn. You heal yourself from the inside out. It's, you know, famous quote, not about touching your toes. It's about what you learn on the way down, man. That's what yoga is. And so when people say to me, I'm not flexible, I can't do yoga. That's why you need to do yoga, because it's not about touching your toes. It's about being flexible in your life and juggling two kids as a single mom and five jobs. That's what yoga helps. Five jobs, man. You was Jamaican one time. That's it, I was, man. Yeah, was. And, and that's real because... Even the fact that you just said I was just having this conversation with my barber um, because he's like, I got a, uh, I'm in a group text with him and someone else, and he's like, man, I'm, I, I ran today and I'm gonna keep running until I lose a significant amount of weight and then I'm gonna join the gym again. And I said, listen, man, I love you like a brother. That's not the way to go because it because and I'm not saying you can't do it that way. But what I'm saying is, if you really had that discipline, then you wouldn't be in the shape you're in now, trying to lose 40 pounds. So I'm like, bro, just jump in the fire. Let's get you in the gym. If you still want to run after workouts and whatever, fine. But that's the mindset. It's like with yoga, like me, I'm not that flexible. And I used to be the person like, man, I can't even touch my toes. I ain't going in there. And then I went in years ago with like Donnie Starkins and Anton and, and I'm seeing all these people do all this stuff. And I really thought that's what it was about. I'm like, man, I got to learn how to do that. And I would try it because the floor allowed it. It was a soft floor. But what I realized is it's like, man, this ain't about that. But it took for multiple instructors to teach me different things from how they are. That was like, oh, I remember I used to do plow poles. And it was a travesty in my mind. Like, bro, I don't know how these people is even staying in this pose for longer than three seconds. I'm fight or flight. My heart rate is going through the roof. 
And I think it was Paul, Paul. I forgot Paul's last name. Anyways, it was him and uh, someone else. And they were like, oh, what was her name? Uh, Roz? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, again, she wasn't your typical, right? She was a bigger girl, yeah. you know what I'm saying, plus size, as they would say, or whatever. Yeah. And I said, one day after class, I said, hey, man, that plow pose, my heart rate shoots through the roof like I'm doing arsenal hit. And mm-hmm. all I want to do is get out of it. Yeah. And she said, oh, you need to learn how to breathe into your back body. And I was like, Whose body? Huh? Bed, bed, bath, body, and beyond? What are you talking about? And then yeah. she she like literally put her hands on my back, like the back of my ribcage, and was like, okay, breathe where my hands are. And I was like, okay. She goes, do that the next time you do plow poles. I kid you not, for like however many months that gym was open after that, I looked forward to plow poles because one, I could stay in it longer. That type of breathing helped me relax, so my heart rate stayed down. And for me, someone who's really tight and whatever, like how I look is how I feel. It's not always a good thing. But it would stretch my lower back and my hamstrings simultaneously, and I could feel it. And I remember one day, I'm like, one day my my toes are going to touch the ground behind me because I wasn't even there. And then one day they touched the ground, and I thought I made it. I was like, oh, I'm the man. And then Paul comes one day and is like, okay, now put the tops of your feet down. And I'm like, bro, absolutely not. And so he just goes behind me and like pulls my, and I'm like, oh my God, there's more. There's more inches and centimeters to fight for. But it became relaxing. And so I want people to know that because there's so many type A people like me who are like, no, I'm not going to yoga because even their mind. Well, my mind is, and I'm like, yeah, that's why, that's why I love yin yoga. So if you can explain to people what yin yoga is and why that's important, because people could choose what they want. To me, that's like the gateway drug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a gateway drug also because yin yoga takes place on the ground, right? Like for the most part. And it's this opportunity where you're in poses. And I won't say you hold the pose because holding kind of gives the connotation that you're, you're tightening your muscles. It's really a release into the posture. And you're in this pose for, for anywhere from three to five minutes, which when you say that to a person, sounds terrible. Eternity. Horrifying. Right. But to be able to be in this pose, it's through that that you can create space in your body. So you'll be on the ground in, let's say, a child's pose where you're on the ground, your big toes are together, your knees are apart, your chest is coming towards the ground, and you have the opportunity to use props, things like blocks and pillows and bolsters, so that you can find space in the comfort, right, of being in this posture. Now, when I say comfort, my version of comfort, maybe listeners' version of comfort is a little bit different. It's getting comfortable being uncomfortable, not in pain. Pain is a signal to your brain to stop doing what you're doing. Discomfort is an opportunity to modify and adjust, just like Roz helped you modify your breath. And that's what life is, right? You got to adjust. You got to change things up. Don't work this way. You try it this way. Don't work that way. You try it this way. 
And so yin is very meditative, very calming, and it gives you the opportunity to arrive on the mat exactly where you're at. Tight hamstrings, you know, tight everything, and a busy, busy mind. And I say it often, if I can do yin, I can meditate, I am a New Yorker through and through. <laughs> if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because it's not about, here's the what we think. We think we need to shut our brain up. Well, that's impossible. You'd be dead. So we don't want to shut our brain up. We want to acknowledge that there's thoughts going around in your mind, just like little bubbles popping up. Notice them and focus in one area. And yin gives you the opportunity to quiet down and breathe in a quiet room with other people who are stressed out with tight hamstrings. And so knowing that, that we're in it together, if you're thinking, I can't do this anymore, how much longer do I have to hold this pose? You're in good company because other people are feeling the same way. And you're gonna see in these postures, just like in plow pose, how you couldn't get your toes down, then you got your toes down, then you got the tops of your feet down. If you move a centimeter every single time you're in class, all of a sudden you're touching your toes. And that's what it's about. It's little baby steps. And yin's the baby step. It's absolutely, I recommend it to everybody because everybody does something. If you're hiking, if you're running, if you're in the gym, you're doing strength workouts, this is going to stretch your muscles, keep you flexible, keep you healthy, and keep you injury-free, especially, you know, as those of us are getting elevated in age, even if we're fit, things happen to your body. They just do. And we have to admit that, and we have to modify and, and, and accept it and adjust. Because yeah, for me, it was also like in here where my traps are, you know, they're there, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. I got to a point where it was so tight that me, like sitting up talking to you right now, I couldn't even do this. Yeah. I couldn't do this. Yeah, you were like this. Well, yeah, yeah. there's this, but it was literally like I had to lean back. Yeah. And just talk to people like this just to take the pressure off. And I was like, okay, that's enough. Like, I know how to work out. I know how to lift weights. I know what, I know how to reach certain goals, how to train a certain way if I want to be in better, like, conditioning shape or if I want to build muscle or whatever, right? And, you know, I just had a random thought. You know what I forgot to say? What? And a vegan. I oh, forgot yeah, that. vegan. That's because we just... Dude. I just forgot about that all in this entirety. But so that's like one of the things that I think people don't realize is the fight that's internal because I do it on the fitness side. I'm like, I'm going to make you feel so uncomfortable that you don't have time to think about shopping it afterwards and your date night and whatever. Like you're going to have to deal with you. And you're, but even yoga breathing has helped me even in fitness. And that's why I tell type A people that are like, well, I can't shut my brain off. And like you said, you don't have to. However, if you can manage your breathing and manage your thoughts and just feel better, we were talking about it ever since quarantine. Fred and I, you know, I've been doing two workouts a day, six days a week. And I was like, man, I miss yin and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I can feel it. I'm like, ah, oh, man, we was on a roll. And you don't, it's that whole cliche of like, you don't know what you have until it's gone type thing, where you feel different when something's not where it once was or what it once was because we're in a routine. 
And even what you were saying about, you know, we adapt and we change. Me and my circle of friends call it pivot. You got to be able to pivot. It's like playing basketball. Like you got to be able to pivot and move. And even this pandemic and quarantine and all this, this is a major pivot. And if you relate it to sports, it's like halftime. It's like we're in the locker room trying to figure out the game plan for hopefully the rest of life. But embrace this moment that we can do this because I always was in the mindset that the world is my gym and this is going to be we're going to impact people bigger than the four walls where we teach. And this is like confirmation of, you know, you're doing Zooms and I'm doing Zooms and Instagram live. Yeah. So like. But that's the pivot. It's that's an opportunity. the opportunity. Yeah, it's a big one. And I think those of us, or if, if you can take the moment to just notice that it's an opportunity and not a pitfall, you can notice opportunities elsewhere in your life when the veil is lifted. And it is about the pivot or adjusting or being flexible or modifying. Whatever word you want to use, it it you know, I always say. Yoga is a metaphor for life. It really is. How you approach a difficult pose, how you approach that is how you approach difficulty in your life. Do you, do you start breathing real shallow? Do you get real anxious? Do you start to think, how much longer do I have to do this? Oh. It's not right or wrong. It just gives you the opportunity to notice things and, and pivot and right. change it up, man. Speaking it's of not working oh. this way. Try it a different That's way. That's right. So speaking of pivoting and change, we're going to pay these bills. We're going to come back and talk to Debbie P in the building, Young Vegan Extraordinaire. I forgot that, so now I'm going to say it a million times. Okay. But <laughs> we'll be back. Y'all take this message real quick. All right, we're back with Debbie P in the building, Yoga Extraordinaire Guru. You know what I'm saying? She's one of my East Coast aunties, the assassin. is in the building. And we were talking about yoga and the benefits of or the mindset of beginners. So, you know, Fight or flight is just what it goes under. And and I was saying that I remember being in child's pose, even just looking through my legs, like, why is this room so quiet? And the teacher's not talking, and it's been like three minutes. And now, or at least before pandemic, like, I would just fall asleep in some poses. Or I really learned to, like, send my breath to certain areas of my body, which I didn't know was even possible. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm tight, hip flexors, whatever. But um, also, if you could speak to, it's like in fitness, right? Some people, it's, it's a, there's a lot of ego. <laughs> yeah. A whole lot of ego. Oh, and, yeah. and, and what I learned through Yin with like you and Irene and Ryan and Bo, like all these Carl, amazing people. I always learn something different from each one of you guys are different and unique in your own way. And I remember one time we were doing Malasana, which is hopefully I say it right. It's a, a, a yogi squat, as they say, right? In layman's terms, yeah. whoever that is. And I can do it. But I remember Irene was like, if you want, you could just sit on two blocks up against the mirror. And I'm like, nah, bro, I know how to do this pose. I'm not getting on. She's like, just try it. And I just sat on, it was like nothing. I sat on this block and I'm like this. And I'm going, man, 
this is what this pose is supposed to feel like. Without it being like, oh, I'm weak or I'm not, right? Because that's a lot of people's mindset. So so as a, a yoga instructor, like how do you navigate that to make people feel I don't want to say comfortable because I don't think that's not the way. I mean, I felt really comfortable in that part. Well, I think it's about feeling better or it, I think it's about feeling better about yourself in the pose. So mm -hmm. holding a pose, grinding your teeth and clenching your toes is not being in the pose because mm -hmm. you're not experiencing the pose. It's like white knuckling it. You're just holding on by the skin of your teeth. That's not... You're not, you're not benefiting from the pose. And so in my classes, I try and introduce the concept of props early on. And I do share a story because I used to, um, I wouldn't put a block, I couldn't touch my toes, and I wouldn't put a block down to put my hands on the block because I was trying to get to my toes. So what was I doing? I was grinding my teeth. I was straining my lower back. I was hyperextending my knees. And man, my tippy, tippy fingertips were touching my toes. I was touching my toes. And no, I wasn't. I wasn't experiencing it at all. And the teacher came over to me without saying a word. She just came over and she took the block and she slid it right in front of me and put my hands on it. So she took away kind of the decision of me having to kind of like say to myself, I can't do it, and just offered me a different way of doing it. The way Irene said to you, sit on the blocks. It's just a different way of doing malasana. It's not a cop out, it's a different way of doing it. And so I introduced the idea of props early on and I share the story of, I used to think props were, was really like a sellout. I used to feel like I was copping out. And, mm -hmm. you know, but it's not. It's about proper alignment. Because if I'm just squeaking it into this pose, you're, you're hunching over in the loss, and especially you're rounding your spine. And the intention is to straighten your spine and lift from the front of your head and have your tailbone reach towards the earth. You can't do that if you're all hunched over. Mm -hmm. But sitting up against a mirror, you can. And then, then maybe you're sitting on two blocks today. Maybe next time you take one block away. Maybe the next time you take the other block away, now you're in the pose. Right. So it's that apple again, man. Murray's always right. <laughs> it's little bitty pieces lead up to it. But, you know, ego is not your amigo, man. It is not your friend. you got to let it go. Yeah. And it's true in life also. If we realize we think we are physical beings looking for a spiritual side, what we don't realize is we are spiritual beings in a, in a physical body. Yeah, and once we accept that man, everything else opens up. Because one of the other poses I love, um, Ryan was the first person I ever did with the legs up the wall. And I was like, yes, where has this been my whole life? Like anybody out there that has tight lower back, hamstrings, mm -hmm. whatever, it looks like nothing. And I was like, this is the best mm -hmm. If you are type A and you're really tight or you're an athlete, man, I every class, I'm like, man, if he don't do up the wall pose, I'm going to be mad. Like that, yeah. because there's no... It's a powerful pose. There's no pressure to like forward fold trying to touch your toes and whatever. It's like, man, lay on your back and put your legs up the wall. And, like, and I remember him saying, hey, if you need to scoot away from the wall, I started very far away from the wall. 
and eventually got closer and closer. And he was like, man, you really close to the wall? And I was like, am I? Thanks. You know what I mean? Like, those little moments are major. But I think a lot of people are afraid of what it looks like. Because we, this culture is is competition. And I'm that's why I always say in my class, this is you versus you. This isn't you versus him. Because no matter how many push-ups Debbie does, they're not going to do nothing for Kenyatta's body. Mm-hmm. And people are always looking to their left and their right. And it's one of the things I learned group fitness, right? With the, you know, in the mirror. I'm like, if you really look around, most people will not look in the mirror at themselves. They will look at the mirror, but they won't look inside. So they're looking at the mirror, but they're looking over at Debbie or somebody or somebody. And they won't go in, even though in front of you is this huge, because it's uncomfortable. And they're trying to compete with, oh, let me see what that person, oh, latest. And I'm like, yo, you will get such a better workout. You can high five and whatever. We'll create a, we'll create the energy and the synergy, but go inside. So lately I've been telling people, yes, this is a workout, but I want you to work in. Work in, and that's what yoga is, is a work in. You get a workout. That's the benefit. I have people like step in, say to me after class, wow, that was like a workout. Yeah. Duh. Ah, it was, right? And I the word yoga is also an intimidating word. I think people hear yoga and we live in this kind of social age of social media with these poses of people balancing on one finger and levitating. And they create this connotation that if they can't do that, they can't do yoga. And I encourage people to close their eyes a lot in class. It's one of the nicest things about yin because you do close your eyes. So you don't really have the, you don't have like that, like that tease of having to look left or right because your eyes are closed most of the time. So there are times in poses, especially in warm-up, close your eyes, go inside, let your breath be your guide, rather than somebody left or right of you. Don't worry about they're doing. That's their yoga. This is your yoga. You and your mat, close your eyes. And people are like, close my eyes. But once you let yourself go, and, and I often say, like, I'm from New York, I trust nobody. I used to, people teach Teachers used to say, close your eyes. I'm telling you, I used to close one eye. I was like, ah, what are you going to do if I close my eyes? You got, it's that let go. You got to let go, man. And when you let go, amazing things happen to your body, to your mind, to your soul. All of a sudden, you're connecting in ways that you never thought were possible because you're, you're taking the ego out of it. And the best classes are when there's no mirror because then you can't, you can't see yourself. You got to go inside and you have to turn physically so far left or right. You really can't look at anybody else. You got to just stay on your mat. So those in yoga, those are my favorite rooms. And I know in certain studios, there are mirrors and we share and there's fitness rooms, but really being present on your mat without a mirror, it's the scariest place to be for most people. It really is. That's what they, I think that's what Right, but I think that's what people run from. Of course um, they do. Of course they do. And so now you have all these different styles of yoga. You know, you have yin and vinyasa, and I've seen plyo yoga and some stuff where I'm like, bro, what? Like, so do you feel like people are getting away from 
the core, because you're talking like Western and, and what it really, right? Like what it really is versus what it's turned into, like just fitness. It's a, it's a hit yoga class. And I'm like, at the same time, like I understand back to back, like, hey, come take this hit class. And then when this is over, we're going to Debbie's gym class because that's the balance of both ends of the spectrum. But when I seen this was the plyo yoga, like jumping, training, and I'm like, that's, it takes me a good, well, initially, if I taught a class and went into yin, it probably took me 20 minutes just to come back down. And I've had instructors even say like, yeah, it took you a while. To, I'm like, yeah, because I'm up here. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine like going from here to here, back up to here, back up to here, to here in one thing. So do you feel like to some degree it's kind of, I don't want to say tainted is the word, but maybe like it's getting on top of the ridiculous poses on Instagram and whatever. Cause you know, that's across the board It's fitness too. Um, I seen a video of a dude trying to do a, a clap push up where you clap in the front, clap in the back. You know what I mean? And he clapped, or he tried to clap, and he just smashed his face on him. And I'm like, stay in your lane. There, there's there's a, a, a foundation, and then there's an allusion to stuff like that. And people don't realize it. And they just see it and be like, come on, I'm going to do that. Doesn't work. So do you feel like yoga gets a bad rap from the, the showmanship side versus like what you're talking about? Absolutely. It's, you know, I think that, like I was mentioning, the postures or the poses that we do is one little piece of it. And so unless you have strong yogic background and you're teaching the other stuff and you're talking about the breath work and you're teaching breath work and you're teaching, you know, one of the reasons I'm, I'm vegan is because there's a whole piece of yoga called ahimsa, which is kindness to all living creatures. Right? Mm. So living yogically is not about standing on your head. It's about, you know, inner discipline, outer discipline, kindness to all. If you're teaching those things and you're creating a workout around that, great. Is that what, if, if that's what's happening? Is that what's happening out there? Mm, probably not. Mm. So I, I want, I really believe that everybody can benefit from yoga and that's not the fancy poses. They can benefit from the breath and the internal work and learning what they can accomplish physically when they do those things. Like you said, foundations. The foundation is your breath. If you sit on your mat for an hour in my class, all you do is breathe, congratulations, you did yoga for an hour, right? Yeah, I think that's you were the first person I ever heard say, like, if you're breathing, you're yeah. doing yoga. And I was like. You are. Like, bro, anybody, anybody tell me that? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do a pigeon pose, and it hurts like. I'm like, you know what? But if you don't breathe in that pigeon pose, your hips never get into the ground, and you're never breathing space into there. So you can get into pigeon, sure. Grinding your teeth, clenching your jaw, tightening your shoulders in pigeon. What, what purpose does that serve? You know. What's the intention behind that? That's the first place. It's not the, it's not the, yeah. That's the first place type A people going to go. It's not the goal. It's like, 
That's it. That was me. I remember. Kind of, you know, they're both oriented. I remember the first time I heard. I don't know if it was. I don't know who it was. It might have been you. It might have been Irene or somebody. And they were like, yeah, like, relax your tongue from the roof of your mouth. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. well, damn, I didn't even know. Bruh. Like, you don't even realize that you're just like. Mm-hmm. We all I'm do like, it. I'm like, I, I, taught oh, class, I taught class the other day, and I say a lot, unclench your jaw. And I had a guy come over to me afterwards, and he goes, how come every time you say unclench your jaw, I'm clenching my jaw? I said, because we all do it. Yeah. It's human nature. It's what we do. And and then that goes into our neck, which goes into our shoulders. And we we create that. We are so goal-oriented. And when I start a class, I say, let's set an intention. And when I have fitness people in my class, I say, that's not a goal. We're not doing 100 push-ups. That's a goal. Right. An intention is to feel peace or joy. Right? It's to let go of something or create something that that – you know, that you need to create in your life or let go of something that no longer serves you. That's that right there. If you could do that and breathe, man, you, it's your first step towards yoga. So I think in answer to the first question about is are things getting diluted? I think people are tacking that yoga word onto things and and not really being true to what yoga is. It's right. not it's not warrior one and it's not standing on your head. It's the breath and the work and the and what goes behind it, right? the foundation. Now, I'm going to pivot a little bit because I definitely want to get to this before. I think we got like 15, yeah, 15 minutes or so. Um, because you said you're a mom of two. And so for people listening or who don't know you, yeah. you have what the world will consider a black daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so with that, if you don't mind, if you like, listen, I don't want to talk about that. But I'm always curious as to some of the hurdles that has come with that. Because when people see you, they don't re- they don't know that. And then you're like, oh, no, that's my daughter right there. And they're like, what? And I know she just graduated. So yeah. shout out to shout out to young Jeezy for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But. Has there any, uh, along, because I know you said you were a single mom, and, and of course there's going to be, my mom was a single mom, and stuff comes with that, right? But I, I also do this because I, I people will assume, um, here's just white woman, she got to figure out life is easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not so easy, right? Definitely not easy, and all sorts of hurdles. It's really funny, we were just talking about this the other night, um, just kind of the stuff that, you know, there's there's stuff that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, and then there's stuff that makes you roll your eyes. Uh, and I've had everything across the gamut. Um, I've had people, when my daughter's not around, um, make racist comments to me, um, not knowing what my background is, but seeing my outer appearance and assuming that, you know, I'm white, they're white, I'm going to agree with them. Um, I've had people ask me if, um, she's mine or where I got her or if I'm the nanny. Uh, oh yeah. All sorts of stuff. I've had people ask me, what is she? You know, what the hell? What you um, mean? just, yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. And, um, and it's really interesting. Um, it's really interesting. I used to get really angry 
and real kind of like my New York came up, like she's mine. And, um, and then I looked at it as kind of like an opportunity to educate. And I, I vacillate between those two because I still get, I still get angry. Um, and sometimes I don't feel like educating and I just feel like, you know, you don't know where families come from or how families are created. And um, sometimes people assume that she's adopted. And even if she were adopted, she would still be mine and my daughter. And so it wouldn't matter how she came into being. Um, there was an opportunity. You probably know this story. Uh, she worked at a gym that we both worked at, at the front desk. And, um, and there was another girl that also worked at the front desk who was white. And I said to somebody in my class, oh, my, that cute girl out at the front desk, that's my daughter. I didn't say the cute mixed race girl at the front desk. I just said the cute girl at the front desk. And they walked over to the white girl and said, I just took your mom's class. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my mom. And, they, and their face dropped and, you know, they're like, right. you know, all these assumptions. And um, that to me is the most insulting. I've said it to you. I know we've talked about it. It's that subtle racism, right? That's kind of, they just kind of come in under the radar, but they assume it. They don't think we're together. They don't think I'm her mom. Um, I just said it the other day. I was talking to somebody. We were having the same conversation. Every time I travel with her, take her birth certificate because I never want to get to an airplane and have them think she's not my daughter. Wow. Man. Wow. That's the reality of it. Because here's the thing. I'm walking on the plane. Don't look like me. I mean, she looks like me if you know her. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> she acts yeah. like right? Yeah. You know, I mean, she definitely acts person. like you. Right. But I always have her birth certificate with me. So that they ask for ID, it says on her birth certificate, I'm her mother, and then she has ID, and then they know that I'm her. So did you do that from jump, or did something happen, and you were like, okay, this has to... Um, or you just kind of knew? I think I had so many times where people assumed I wasn't her mother, and because I was a single mom in a situation where there was potential danger i never wanted her taken away from me mm. and i just always had it with me yeah i don't know i guess that's just the the murray in me not really trusting society and um and wanting to pre protect my daughter and and over protect her and so i think that um you know people are <laughs> i've had people say to me this is a true story um you don't look like somebody who would have a black daughter. I don't know what that means. And, and I don't know <laughs> what I'm supposed to say that. Do I say, do I say thank you? <laughs> do I say, you know, sometimes I'm speechless and you know me well enough to know if I'm speechless, yeah, how bad does it have to be? It has to be a travesty. At yeah, least. It has to be a travesty. Yeah. And she needs at an age where you know, obviously she's 18 now, so we have different conversations around it. Um, but she noticed, even as a young child, that people were rude. Like, we, had, I would have people say rude things to me, and she'd say, well, that was rude. Like, after they walked away, well, that was rude. Well, you're right. It was rude. Yeah. Like, from the mouths of babes. Right. You know? Yeah. So, and, and because your son looks like you, he's super tall. and, yeah. and So when you guys are together... It's like uh, they don't know what the Neapolitan ice cream. And, 
Yeah, there's a part of us, there's a part of us that's kind of a little funny and mess with people, you know? Um, so my son and I like look identical, but I yeah. kind of looks a little bit older, more mature. I look kind of young for my age. So they can't really figure out what's going on. Like, am I some cougar with the young man <laughs> you know, that adopted a little baby from Africa? Like, nobody knows what it is. Yeah. And we sit in restaurants sometimes, and we kind of like, sometimes like, one of us will lean in and go, check out this table over here. They're like, trying to figure out, like, That's what's the story? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so I think that people make assumptions, and I think what it's done for me is let I never make assumptions. I, I rarely use the word never or always, but in this situation, never applies. I never assume anything, um, and because you never know what the person's story is, what the person's background is. I don't think people look at me and think that I was ever in an abusive relationship and escaped it. I, I think that we see the persona just like yoga and fitness. We make assumptions, we make judgments, and and rather than coming at things from that way, just assume positive intentions to you know differently and ask, man. Yes, ask. communicate. So with that, because I know you brought up a couple of times the abuse, and I'm not, I'm definitely not telling you to go into that dark hole. However. Yeah for young women out there or even grown women out there because they're going to need it too, right? Are there, like, maybe, I don't know, three things or a couple of things that to help them get out of that or reassure them that they will be okay? Because some people believe that there is nothing else. Like, this is just it. Maybe they have kids with an abusive person and they're like, well, I can't leave because of mine. You know, the kids become the crutch or whatever. So is there anything you want to say? We got like five minutes, but anything you want to say to people that might or someone that might be in that position right now of how to get out? Because you got out okay. and changed your life. And so. Um, listen, listen to yourself. Listen to your heart. Listen to your gut. We all have instincts and we all no, you get a feeling in your chest, in your shoulders, in your belly, when you know something's not right. Listen first time. Hmm. And we train ourselves to not listen. Listen. Listen to yourself. That's the single, I would say that's the single most important thing. Hmm. Um, because, you know, the hows and the, you know, the whats, that comes after this. You've got to listen. And of course, I'm going to bring it back to yoga. But if, if you can just get quiet and breathe, you will know. You will know. And you can formulate a plan. You have to have safe people in your life. And you have to find a way to, to trust those people and confide in those people. I didn't do that. Um, I didn't listen to people. And I had a lot of, in retrospect, um, hindsight is twenty twenty. People gave me messages along the way, and I ignored them, just like I didn't listen to my gut the first time. It's really important that you listen to yourself because you you are your best you are your best friend and until you get that that you have your best interest in hand and know that your value 
and you're worth it, you know, you'll stay. And that's why you stay. I've had people say to me, I can't imagine you. I can't imagine you in a situation like that. It's because of my strength and my fortitude that I survived and I got out. And, and, and there's other women out there that can get out. And if you have any doubt um, and you're listening to this podcast, Kenyatta can put you in touch with me and I'll help you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And before we go, because it's like, I don't know, three minutes or so, because um, we'll end on a higher, lighter note. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to end on that, <laughs> but I wanted to address that briefly. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so one of, the, one of your favorite movies of all time is Coming to America. Uh, and we always time. do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Why do you know from funny? <laughs> you bastard. The you are so New York, and I love it because you can go from like guru yoga to New York, like yeah. like this, and I'm like, yeah. oh. boom. And That's and that it. that balance is is amazing. So, um, let people know if you got anything going on. Your classes online. Um, you could text me your. Well, if it's email or website or whatever, because you also do retreats and I do retreats, but we're not doing retreats right now. However, we will get back to that. I know my yeah. Greece, my Greece trip just got canceled like two days ago, so I'm still trying to yeah. swap. The pill is like right yeah. here. I'm processing that too, Ugh. but um, yeah, if you are on social media, I mean, Debbie Pulp. Wait a minute, because you're young breaking up over there. Uh oh, did we lose her? She froze at the end, guys. So I'll put her info inside of. About anything we talked about today, come to one of my classes, man. I guarantee hey, you'll enjoy yourself. Whatever you just said, say it one more time because it froze when you said you can reach me at. So do that again, really quick. <laughs> okay, so on social media, Debbie Popio Yoga. Yeah. Um, or my website, DebbiePopioYoga.com. My retreat website is synchronicity.yoga. So um, just reach out, DM me. If you have any questions about anything we talked about today, I'm doing Zoom classes, um, you know, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Sundays. Kenyatta will post my yeah. schedule, but to come take one of my classes. Even if yoga freaks you out, take a class, man. And uh, I guarantee you'll like the music and, and you'll like what you Oh, play. yeah. She'll be playing hip-hop and all type of stuff. So you're going to get a whole different vibe, you know what I'm saying, from, from yeah. me for sure. So um, I appreciate y'all for tuning in. I'm going to get the links and everything. Um, text me that. I'll put it in the description for, um, well, on all the online stuff, the video and the audio. Um, and I'm probably going to drop this tomorrow, actually. I usually wait till Wednesday, but I think I'm going to drop this one tomorrow and do a different one for Wednesday. So I appreciate you, D, for tuning in. I'll see you in these hot Scottsdale streets. Maybe not at every party, but at some party somewhere. Uh, oh, they're going away for Mikhail, right? Yeah. I will yeah. be there for that. Um, so I appreciate you tuning in. You guys at home, appreciate y'all for listening, man. We're about to get out of here. Peace, love, and fire ants. And shout out to Palm Trees. You know how we do. Thanks, Dale. Yeah. Yeah. Bye.